Hey guys, welcome to the CP Junkie podcast, where we bring you interviews with dentists sharing their CPD stories and journeys from around Australia. What better way to learn than to follow those who've already done it before? CPD Junkie is Australia's most comprehensive CPD, so head over to cpdjunkie.com.au and become a member for free to access the full features of the site. I'm your host, Lawrence Stone, and today we're joined by Dr. Christina Kane. She graduated from the University of Queensland and has practiced in Cairns, Sydney, Melbourne, and Brisbane over the past 25 years. She has been a busy business owner for 10 years and currently operates out of Refresh Dental Spa in association with Dr. Nick um, Shepatar Dental. Her main professional interests are in general family dental, cosmetic dentistry, TMJ treatments, and facial injectables for therapeutic as well as cosmetic purposes. She has a fellowship in the International Academy of Dental Facial Aesthetics based in New York and is a member of the ADA in Brisbane Dental Study Club. She's a consultant for the Dental Advisory Panel for Experience and Experience and has a mentoring um, role with the ADA and is a qualified GP. Dr. Christina Kane, welcome to the show. Thanks, Laura. Thank you for having me. So tell us about your CPD or dental journey into developing a special interest for cosmetic enhancements, implantology, crown bridge, and you know, um, ortho and facial aesthetics. Well, it's been happening now for 25 years, Lawrence. So I'm not gonna tell you every single year and all of the CPD I've encountered. I'll break it down into three parts. I think that's gonna be a little bit kind of your audience. <laughs> I can't believe 25 years has gone that fast, to be honest. And actually, before I start, I just want to commend you with everybody for what you've been doing with such enthusiasm and bringing such quality to our profession and helping everyone get enthusiastic about CPD again. So thank you. <laughs> thank well done. You. <laughs> so if you can picture this, I've got my first years of graduation, the middle year of really build, middle years of really building the career, and then the last sort of 10 years or so of owning a business. So the first years, uh, if you can picture a 23-year-old like we've all been finishing up and just leaving and going to far north Queensland where I knew absolutely no one and working for two very dynamic employers. They were both women and they immediately got me into CPD. And we didn't even call it CPD back then. <laughs> it was courses, it was knowledge, it was just trying to keep you engaged with education. So I was really, really lucky and I owe a lot to them. So they got me into a study club straight away. And of course they threw me in to one of the, uh, the roles, like I was the secretary straight away. <laughs> And so that was quite funny, interesting experience. So uh, we had regular study club meetups. When we had conferences in Cairns, they nominated me, their little sidekick, to be one of the introducing speakers for these wonderful presenters, uh, which again was very enlightening and excellent experience. And they also paid for me to come back to Brisbane to do some ceramics training too. So that was a long time ago and they, they exposed me to people like Jeff Knight and Derry Rogers, and, and these are quite older names now, uh, or more mature names, but uh, were very much, you know, fundamental CPD people, and they were very inspiring. So, so that was my first, uh, let's say, wet my appetite. Uh, the next phase was really in the, the, the guts of building that dental career. And I came back to Brisbane and worked a couple of jobs. I really have to say that your employers really are great mentors. If you can engage your employers to be mentors, most employers will actually rise to that challenge. And the gold you can get from these people with years of experience, it's worth it. It's phenomenal. So mm. I was, yeah. I was lucky enough to, and as you said, you know, you've got a, had got a couple of jobs, you've got a couple of employers, and you sort of glean all this information from them. It's uh, it's very much like pulling in a whole heap of balloons, so you've got your your package of balloons of all your knowledge. So I uh, I found that the more I learned, the more I felt I didn't learn. If that makes right. sense? Yeah, yeah. I felt like I needed to continue to expand my knowledge. Uh, 
if I didn't, I just didn't feel like I was honoring my profession and keeping up to date. And I guess I, that's when I sort of became a course junkie. So I love that you call yourselves CPD junkies because all my friends and colleagues will testify to the fact that I've always said I'm a course junkie. There's no way around it. I could spend my life doing courses. So in that process, I um, sought out courses and there was no mandate to record what you'd done. Uh, For me, I went with what I felt I could grow on, um, things that I hadn't really done before. And I listened to people like Geraldine Moses, who most people have heard of in pharmacology. Mm-hmm. She really enlightened me to the concept of mixing complementary medicines with alpha medicine and you know the effects that can have both negative and positive. Uh, I did a year of psychology at uni. I actually said, okay. right, I'm just going to, um, I really wanna learn some good communication. And in that time, there was a lot of drive to you know, get in there and start doing your porcelain veneers. So fortunately, from the original ceramics courses I attended, I could sort of embellish on that. So I started attending the DSD courses, old Christian Coachman, Tony Rotondo, people like that. So um, in the guts of it, um, it was a huge growth. And I was very much in the practical, getting to know how to look after patients, get the rapport going. You know, it's a huge learning curve for everybody. And I don't think anyone can avoid it. There's no, there's no quick fix to, mm. to get to a point of experience. What do they say? It's like you can um, intellectualize things, know things, hear things, learn things, but until you've actually experienced it, you haven't really got that high quality to offer. So mm-hmm. it, I want everyone to remember to experience things is great. It's essential. So that's just, sorry, a little thing I've, um, I've, I really wanted to share with you. But, and from my experience, it's about immersing yourself and feeling like a doofus every now and then. Mm. Well, <laughs> I mean, bring it on. So would you say that um, the early practices that you're at were very much like cosmetic based? Is that what you're saying? So that's why you were doing a lot of these early courses in um, porcelain and and veneers and all that sort? No, I would say that they were very much general dentistry oriented. There was a a lot of drill and fill, but Mm -hmm. it was more the patients were starting to ask more. Right. And I also experienced it when I was young, I got hit by a hockey stick. And uh, so of course my one, one was pretty much shattered. I'd had veneer, I had a veneer put on as a kid. Well, actually it was a composite build up with a pin. It was lovely. And then, yeah, when I was 16, I got the veneer put on and I guess I was always conscious of anteriors then. So Mm -hmm. this became, it was a combination of my own knowledge and experience uh patients wanting more and my drive to learn more mm-hmm. as well as just being exposed to it but these these guys i worked for so i've worked for men and women mm-hmm. they they taught me a lot of things on that very fundamental level like say a patient comes in and as a dentist you feel super guilty for their problem and i mean a lot of people do feel this they're trying to fix the problems and have a lot of guilt in the end you have to say to the patient well it goes back to the size of the original hole which i did not put there you don't say that and you might say look the tooth hasn't responded to that treatment so i learned a lot of those those kind of fundamental phrases which help you as a dentist but the cpd all comes back to uh, my own drive to mm. learn more and to be able to offer more to patients right so you were saying that mainly because your patients were asking for it for you and then you felt like you know you needed to grow a bit more um experience in it and knowledge mm-hmm. on it so that's why you started approaching more of the cpd but yes. in conjunction to that it was the applying of it to make afterwards to make it more applicable mm-hmm. because you could learn all you want but if you don't really use it then it's not really um of much use Yes, that is exactly right. You do have to apply it as soon as you can and to be brave just to get in there and to start to do it. Right, it's, it's yeah. really important. Did, did you mean, I mean, um, did you work at a government clinic at one point? I did. How did you know that? <laughs> you're, you're Christina Ken. I need to know these things. 
Yes, I did for six months. And that was when I was, I had two part-time jobs in private practice as well. And I felt it was essential that I spend some time in the government. And uh, I guess my, it was a wonderful experience as well. I had a, a dentist, an older dentist in the petition next door to me. And I'll never forget hearing him say to the patient, just cut it out, cut it out. Because the patient was clearly in distress. And yeah. I just went, oh my God. I would never talk, and that also cemented to me how important it is to get a rapport with your patient, have them in a very calm, accepting space so that they trust you and you can do anything to them then. But um, <laughs> six months was, um, I limited it because I did find it a little bit disheartening, to be honest, Lawrence. Yeah. For the sake that you just, uh, it's the waiting lists back then at least, um, I believe there'll always be waiting lists for the government, but you know, you'd see someone have a small bit of decay, but you weren't allowed to touch them because you, that was in the, the clinic, which wasn't for that, it was a perio clinic. And then it would become root canal. And then they're on such a long waiting list, it would become an extraction. And I, I did as much as I could. I got in trouble for a few things, just getting things done, but it, it was, um, it was a bit disheartening. I went, right, I've done my best here and I'm going to go forth and do my best out in private. Yeah, I mean, government jobs, I, I've, done, I've done it in the past as well. And it's, have you? you know, yeah, I have earlier on as well. Um, back when I was graduating in Adelaide, I was the house dentist there at one point. And um, yes. like yourself, you do find that limitations um, in terms of what you can do. And then you see mm. patients that have come back off the wait list and then you've seen the problems um, that might have been small initially have grown out to be a lot bigger, like you've said. Yeah, exactly. It does yes. become, like you said, disheartening. It does. But um, anyway, we all we can do is just keep being our best, doing our best. Um, and I mean, ethically, in the end, it, it was all about being in such a privileged position to be able to help that person at that time. Exactly. Yeah, I think I yeah. think there is, a, you know, a space for um, government hospital clinics as well. So, you know, yes, um, yes, yeah. So, anyway, well, yes, so, I wanted to share one thing, interesting thing with you. Yes. About my CPD journey. And uh, this may be good for the younger colleagues of mine to sort of know and prepare for. So when you do actually start having a family, um, as a female, I have to say, you you have a bit of time off and it, it's important because family is, is everything, right? And you can sort of lose a little bit of grip on your career. And, it's, uh, and this goes for the guys too who are taking time off to support their partners. And it's really important to keep up, you know, your CPD acquisition through those phases. And if you're spending more time at home, it's a great opportunity to do little things. Um, for example, uh, I did a laser course, Laurie Walsh's laser course way back when I was having my children. I did an OPG course, the JP qualifying course outside of dentistry. And um, I think I just wanted to sort of say that was a big significant time in my life where I didn't want to be a pretend dentist because I wasn't there all the time. Mm -hmm. And then once that phase finishes, um, you can just fully immerse yourself back in your career and still wear all those hats. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, I was going to ask you at some point that mm. for more than 50% of the demographics in dentistry, um, in my demographics in dentistry are female. And as a clinician, yes. they all reach a point where they start to contemplate practice ownership, being a specialist mm. or being a super yes. GP or like you've said, starting a family, you know, and yes. you've shared a little bit on that, but what are your thoughts on all the other aspects? Well, I guess in terms of uh, when you're thinking about buying a business, uh, it is really important to look at your capital for a start. Uh, where is the money coming from? So if you can already start working towards accruing money involving a financial advisor, I mean, obviously COVID's COVID. So let's just put that on the shelf there and just say, look, if you can get your finances sorted, uh, be enthusiastic about your CPD and listen to mentors, be inspired by people, and then just make calm decisions from a place of equilibrium. Don't get caught up in FOMO and rushing out there and seeing everything on social media and these people have got this, this and this, it's perfect life. 
Um, I believe in social media. I believe everyone needs to be on social media, not just for their own exposure, but for education. But just to be careful not to uh, look at the perfect, perfect pictures and say, yes, that's that's how I have to be now. And uh, yeah, not get yourself in that position where you're taking on things that are too hard. So back to business, um, it is important to do some business courses. We don't get taught those at university. Yeah. And I really think if you can find a good mentor and find good business courses, even outside of dentistry, just to broaden your mind and realize what platforms you can operate from. And also the practice management systems. There's quite a few around. I went through Prime all those years ago and I learned so much from Prime. I had a wonderful coach called Maya Carson and um, obviously all the crew at Prime were wonderful at that time. And I I got to a point where I knew I was fine on my own. Mm-hmm. So that's something else I'll mention is that, you know, once you've done courses, courses that you definitely know are valuable, it's good to sort of move on and to take what you've learned from that course and see what else is out there. There's always something new. Mm, yeah mm. well i mean so i mean are you saying that you know if you're thinking about these things definitely pair yourself up with someone who's gone mm. through that road where you want to go down um but in addition to that do cpd on business um cpd to kind of see if mm. that's where you want to go down to before you decide to take the leap or take the leap first and then mm. um couple yourself up with all of that that's very, I like, I like that question. I think if you can get yourself as much knowledge as possible before you take the leap, there's no hard and fast rules on this. Of Definitely good to be, you know, linked up with someone who can guide you. I had, when I was buying, the, I bought a second practice and merged the two together. That's why mm. you said Refresh Dental Spa in association with. And I had Dave Moffat help me out with that transition so I found a coach who was had knowledge in the dental industry and also a viewpoint from a, a, an older male practitioner who'd owned his own businesses. So I, he helped me with that transition. So I think if you can just be a little bit smart, look at, look at who is out there and who would be strategically aligned to help you as an individual. See if you've got some good rapport with them. Reach out. Most mentors out there are keen to just chat and get to know you to see if it will work so uh, on a business level look uh, again you can ask mentors what business courses are out there or just have a bit of a look around yourself and you do due diligence on what courses are suitable because there are a lot of startups out there that like to use us as guinea pigs Mm-hmm. And they take our money really quickly, but in the end, we're actually giving them more than they are giving us. So I think it's good to be mindful as well. Mm. Okay, so in answer to your question, after all of that, I <laughs> would okay. say, it, look, definitely have a plan. Set about your plan, knowing you've got some capital or how you're going to raise your capital, and there, and have a mentor in the wings. Go for it, but keep educating yourself. Mm. Yeah. I mean, educating yourself in both like CPD in terms of clinically and business, is that what you're saying? Yes. And also personal development. Mm. So after I'd been in uh, the business for a while, I actually realized that my CPD had gone off into like on a fork. So I had the continued professional knowledge development, Mm -hmm. dentistry, facial injectables, all, all of that good, solid gold clinical stuff that we love. And then I also had this journey of personal development, learning a bit more about communication, learning about business application, um, self-empowerment. And in the midst of all that, it was always that reminder to look after your own health and what you value and not be in a mad rush to achieve everything in a short amount of time. It's like we're, we are innately nerds, aren't we? And I don't know about you, Lawrence, I embrace that. I embrace the nerd. Yes. <laughs> and we enjoy learning. I mean, do you enjoy you enjoy learning? You've set this up. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yes. That's right. I'm a What's CPD junkie enjoy? myself. 
Yes, what do you enjoy learning about? Well, I mean, look, I started the King's um, College program um, over in London uh, on pros uh, because that was an area that I was interested in. So, um, you know, I felt that I wanted to explore that more and I wanted a structured course and that's why I did it. Perfect. I did see that. I did my research on you too. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so it's it's sort of like I think... I think you've got to remember that if you enjoy learning, really immerse yourself in the enjoyment of the journey because it's really enriching. And that's what gives you the longevity in our career, in my opinion, is keeping on enriching the journey. You have to be active in finding the enthusiasm, finding the CPD that gives you that that push to keep you going because it is, it is very much a journey. And Dentistry, in my opinion, again, is one of those careers that will slap you down if you get a little bit too cocky. Mm-hmm. You can't be too humble because in that you you can give yourself a hard time. And dentists are very clever people with lots of amazing skills. So it's about finding that little bit of balance. Keep yourself interested, keep yourself motivated and look for inspiring people. And watch CPD Junkie because you <laughs> learn a lot. So... I want to. I want to come back. So you you basically you're 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 moving from Cairns. You come into Brisbane, and then you. This is where you're starting to you know um, grow clinically, but also business wise. I mean, how do you find the time? And you know, and you're starting a family as well. And how do you find the time to incorporate all your other CPDs? Um, you know, for cosmetic or implants and ortho and facial aesthetics. How how did you come across these things? Okay, so. When you went through uni, did you draw up like a timetable for your study? Um, when you going through exams, etc. Yeah, to a to a short degree. Yeah, it'd be like I would want to prepare for this because this is the first exam, and then I might rehash it back closer to the exam yeah. period. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, in a sense, I set up once I I had children in Cairns. It was very cruisy laid back up there Um, my employer at the time Alan Ritchie's let me just work one day a week I kept my hand in kept my skills in but I guess for those first five years I wasn't pushing pushing my career I was very much um, enjoying the family aspect maintaining my energy levels and just keeping my hand in as well as doing my CPD now that was not as full-on as it is obviously when you're not looking after babies, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it was enough to keep me intellectually stimulated. Uh, Once your children can go to daycare or have a carer, depending on what suits the family, it does open the door up a little bit more for you. It's Mm -hmm. not, you're not stuck in the, in the trenches, so to speak. Right. And if you can allocate a certain amount of time, like picture your week as a timetable and you know there are certain times that are just no-go zones. Have you heard that analogy of having a vase and filling it up with big stones and then completing the fill with lots of little pebbles? Have you Um, heard that? No, I haven't. No, yeah. Tell me more. It's a bit of... It's an analogy whereby it's like filling up your week with a timetable. Um, No pressure. You've got to make sure you're not stressed about this this is just a good way to take control of organizing your life and you've got to have some flexibility too it's Mm -hmm. it's survival of the fittest being adaptable so if you picture filling up your vase or your week with big items items that are non-negotiable clinical hours um time with the family uh time that you have to exercise keeping your health in order, things like that. These are non-negotiable times. And then you can drop in the pebbles to fill it in. So you might have a bit of time here or there to listen to a recorded ADA webinar, but it might be, it has to be at the right time of day because you know after a certain time, say 7.30, 7, 8 o'clock, you might be a zombie. Mm-hmm. So that's how I did it. I really looked at my week, put in my non-negotiables and then filled in my pebbles and the pebbles are flexible. Right. And if you get too overwhelmed, just stop. You're not stuck in a hamster wheel. You know, you you have control over your life and it's um you I think our self-awareness and personal auditing is is important where you just you sit and go right this is my r and r time how are things going check in with yourself mm. so then mm-hmm. how did you stumble deciding on you know whether to divulge into ortho or into um facial aesthetics and um, cosmetic injectables 
I will tell you a little bit of a secret, which now everybody will know. <laughs> I was uh, 38 at the time and the clinic I worked for uh, was full of women, very dynamic clinic, and everyone was trying a bit of bobo, a bit of Botox. And I thought, right, I'm 38. I've had two kids. I think I can do that. <laughs> anyway, uh, still a controversial time back then. You know, it's like yeah. I, mean, I was lying there getting these injectables done on the quiet. And I thought, I could do this. This is this is so straightforward. It's a medical anatomy, all of those things. Um, injectables, hey, how good are we at injections? And so I immediately started looking up you know, that was when a lot of Facebook ads would just pop up and it literally came up that week, Botox for dentists. So that was the uh, ad for course, actually. So that was back in 2011. Mm. And uh, I was one of the first group of 12 to ever do the course. And obviously there was a, a lot of uh, question about whether or not it was appropriate within our scope, all of those things around those times. So it was an interesting journey, but I did enjoy it, Lawrence. And I think that was what cemented the ongoing journey of learning about injectables. Mm. It was so enjoyable. People came in so positive because they were going to get an, a, you know, an effect that made them feel good about themselves. And to have someone say, yes, please stick needles in my face. <laughs> it's pretty rare. Yes, yes. Um, on the nerd level, I loved the rekindling of all the anatomy, of all the pharmacology, biochemistry that went with it. And then it was about the aesthetics. And there's a book I've read before and have recently been reminded of called Psycho-Cybernetics. I don't know if you've heard of it. Mm. But it was written by a plastic surgeon who really identified that an improvement in someone's self-image will in fact help them on their progression to good health. And the facial injectables for me was a little bit of an avenue where I could help people with their self-image. It wasn't about vanity. It was very much about making them feel better about themselves. So that was that journey. Yeah. Uh, orthodontics. I loved orthodontics. That was probably my best subject at uni as an undergrad and I did actually get into Melbourne but at that time in my life I was also transitioning whether or not I was going to go overseas uh, moving in with my uh, boyfriend who was soon to become my fiance and then husband and I just went I'm not not really ready to do another massive course mm. So that was, and that was fine. All right, you have to look at those crossroads in your life and work out where you want to be. Mm -hmm. I uh, have done a bit of ortho. I've done my quick straight teeth, sure, smile. Uh, Invisalign has always been on the cards. I've just kept myself busy with other things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I've never taken it up a, up a notch there, but always admired my colleagues who have done so and have some very good orthodontic friends. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. And yeah. so um, back quickly on the injectable side of things, you went yeah. on to become a fellow in the International Academy of Dental Facial Aesthetics. So tell us a little bit about that. So courtesy again of going through the ADFA courses, which I, I did become a trainer with them and I really learned lots. And that's when I realized I love teaching as well. I love educating and inspiring. Mm -hmm. And I finished up with them in about 2017. Yeah. And during that time as well, they did offer um, an avenue to obtain this fellowship with the International Academy of Dental Facial Aesthetics, spelt with an E the aesthetics uh and that was in new york so we had to apply and we had to do i went through with a few other friends colleagues and we had to basically tick the boxes so they weren't accepting just anyone and which i think i don't think would have sat well anyway if it was just you know a piece of paper you had to have shown your journey what you have achieved and what you're still working on yeah. And then uh, with acceptance from the academy, we travelled over to New York. Can't wait to go again. And it was an amazing experience um, with people from all over the world coming to be part of this academy. And the bonus for me is that we still have that ongoing CPD from them. So we're still linked up with them at all times and we get our newsletters and we can uh, obtain more information by contacting some of the members who are incredibly dynamic. I remember one dentist was uh, the dentist for what, the king in Saudi Arabia. I mean, 
stuff that's you know it sounds like it's out of a movie but yeah amazing and it doesn't hurt to have new york on your business card hey. fair enough <laughs> it's not fake but it's sort of it's a real conversation opener uh, or starter and yeah and it inspires others to do the same Mm. You know, a lot of uh, recent graduates and guests that we've had on in the past, they talk about getting into cosmetics and injectables. However, they find it difficult to kind of implement it or see how it's um, beneficial or useful to them. Um, can you yes. share your thoughts on that? Absolutely. So if you're not a business owner, I do think it is a little bit harder. You really need to have your employer on the same page or to at least expose them so that they're in an, an enthusiastic position to support you. Uh, in that case, then obviously your employer will head down the road of finding out, you know, where to get the materials from. And usually whoever does the training for you will give you that information as well. Allegan now are very good with supplying dentists with Botox. That's the brand name, by the way. Mm. And uh, Clifford Hallam, I believe is still supplying the disport as well. So it's kind of, um, you have to make sure your employer and the practice you're in is going to be supportive. If you are already on doing your own thing, you have your business or you're supported and are contracting and your employer's happy with that. Uh, I think if you just remember to keep reaching out to those of us who've been doing it for quite a long time, be it on any of the social media platforms. Mm -hmm. And there's quite a few of us all around who are always happy to talk about cases and you know just offer support and advice. The benefits, oh gosh, I get very passionate about this, Lawrence. How long do you have? <laughs> We've got time. Uh, We've got time. Okay. The benefits. Let's say for the patient, because ethically and ultimately, that is what we are looking at. And for them, there is an improvement in self-image, self-worth, how they can uh, proceed in their day-to-day -day lives, feeling good about themselves and passing that along to the community and to people they're trying to help. And when I say that, what I mean is they don't have to look plastic, they don't have to look weird. You can correct facial asymmetries, you can... Uh, reduce hypertrophic masseters. You can just have older people, people middle-aged like myself who just sort of need a little bit of a, I want to say zhuzh, it's a bit cliche, but that literally is what they need. And then they freshen themselves up a bit and they go, oh good, I've still got it. It's, it's very much about skin health as well. So framing your work as a dentist is, oh, so rewarding. If you can, if you do a lovely cosmetic set of veneers or some crown and bridge or some ortho and you can enhance, say, their gummy smile, giving them a little bit of Botox in their LSAD muscles, reducing a few smoker's lines, doing a bit of work around the avicularis oris, reducing the pull down the sad face by injecting in the DAO, little things like that can really enhance your work. So you feel good as a dentist and your patient just goes, wow. These little things can also be thrown in. You don't have to charge that person for that treatment. You can say, okay, you've just spent 10, 15 grand with me. Let me give you a little bit of Botox if you want and um, yeah, see how you go. It can be a nice little add-on, value adding. Fair enough, yeah. Yeah, ask me something else. <laughs> I mean, look, hey, you, and we talked about the veneers and the stuff like that. You know, a lot of graduates, they think that, you know, I graduated, I've done a few pr crown preps here and there, but, you know, I think I should be comfortable doing all these veneers. But what compelled you to kind of do more of that or, you know, crown and bridge work? Uh, and how do we, you know, improve on that as well? I think what encouraged me was just uh, knowing I wanted patients to get a little bit more bang for their buck. Mm. And for me, I felt like, as long as it's conservative treatment, I think you've always got to be mindful of the conservation of enamel, cons conservation of tooth structure. It, it is it is paramount if you want to prevent future problems. Uh, one of my older colleagues recently said to me, you know, we're really only supposed to have teeth for 30 years. So anything over that is a bonus. That's just based on our you know, evolution, our genetics. Mm -hmm. It's almost like it'd be good if we could have shark teeth come through and have that next lot but no, we can't. So uh, restoratively, I really think Crown and Bridge is 
it's amazing the technology now. You've got your Ceric restorations, you've got your excellent labs with excellent ceramics, uh, implants. Clearly, technology is always advancing. So, if we don't offer these solutions to our patients, then we are actually basically doing supervised neglect. Mm. So from my point of view, I, I love the result. I love the bang for the buck that people get with the porcelain where you don't have your stains, you don't have your chipping. Clearly, if they are grinders, bruxes, etc., you do need to protect them as well with your splints, perhaps doing some Botox to take out the power of those masseters, temporalis. Um, and to continue learning in that field, I think just keep being aware of what is out there. Thank you, Lawrence. Thank you for all the people who are putting up uh, courses and know which ones are reputable. Uh, the DSD ones, I think, are invaluable just for the learning of how great photography is. I see you're, you like your photography too, Lawrence, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm trying to get documentations a key part of my learning journey, yes. Yes. And it's not just about having like a resume to say, look at what I've done. It's because, you know, when patients see photos, they respond so much better to having a mirror put up than having a mirror, I should say, put up in front of their faces. And then they just go eh, and they look at everything. They don't they don't see what you've just achieved for them. So photography is essential. And uh, courses like DSD remind you about how, you look at proportions, you look at how you can make that person smile better. Mm. And in the end, if everyone's smiling more and they've got good, healthy, dentally fit restorations, dentally fit oral cavities, uh, it's going to take the emotional burdens away as well. I guess that's my main motivation. But with courses, yeah, you just have to keep your eyes open, keep your ears open and listen to what, what people are doing, what people are saying, but not get that pressure that you're going to be on that journey of FOMO. You, you need to bring it back down a notch. Do your due diligence. Know that it's going to cost you a bit of money for a solid course and forge ahead. Apply it mm. straight away if you can. It's scary, but that's the only way forward. Have you started your journey into implantology as well? I love implant restorations. I have done an implant course uh, that was through Aiden and uh, Dr. Sadi Sadi, wonderful man. And my personal feeling was I enjoyed the surgery at that stage, but I actually prefer the restorations. I decided mm. that I could, yes, another fork in the road, I could go and do more of the surgical training. And I've got wonderful specialists in my building and we work together. It's a bit of that, I guess, one of a better word, that holistic approach. So I embrace the restorative element mm -hmm. and I still love it. So I'm actually at that point, my little journey at the moment is using my Ceric machine and my Prime Scan is teaching myself how to do more with that and scanning of implants, all of that, catching up for the restoration element. Yeah, because so um, hmm. well, digital dentistry is something that's kind of on the up and coming. There wasn't a lot of that yes. CPD kind of floating around. So, how mm -hmm. have you kind of immersed yourself in learning more of the Cerec? Have you attended courses for that as well? Or yes, and I tend to be. I think it's important to work out what style of learning you have. What what resonates with you? I'm very much a one on one person. I love and I love being face to face. Mm. So, COVID's made that a little bit tricky and. So in the times that I've had my opportunities, I've had my dental reps, uh, the ones who are highly educated, of course, and knowledgeable, talking face-to-face -face with them, sitting with the machine, doing the applications. Uh, my husband's gotten to be a bit of a guinea pig, lucky man. Uh, you know, you're taking advantage of those opportunities. Uh, and then obviously uh, frosting on the cake, doing your CPD courses online and following through on that. Fortunately, I've done a little bit of KOL work with Dents by Serona. So they have been immensely helpful as well. Um, a little bit like, you know, I've helped them. They'll help me as well and helping guide me through that journey. I've been, it's a bit of VIP stuff. I really appreciated that. Because mm -hmm. uh, those of you out there trying to learn, um, I think just look at what the courses are online. Listen again to people like yourself who have a little bit more uh, scope you can talk you know people as well and yeah embrace it however it comes to you 
and just keep getting it all together. I think you've got to try things as you learn as well. Yeah. You've got to give it a shot before you say it's not something that you want to get into. Absolutely. I mean, we're all like babies, aren't we? We're trying different things. Sometimes we don't like them. We're yeah, have a little <laughs> tanty. You know, you, it, you can't give yourself too hard a time. We're only human. So of all those CPDs, what's been your biggest game changer for your dentistry today? Uh, I have to say my injectables. Yeah. And this is for me, it, it has been a game changer both personally for my enthusiasm in my industry, uh, for motivating me to learn, for being able to offer something to my patients. The therapy side of things, uh, for people with TMD, it has been huge. And I've got a lovely network of uh, maxillofacial surgeons, head and neck uh, physiotherapists and prosthodontists. And as this network, we've been able to help so many people who've come in so stressed, clenching, hypertrophic masseters, uh, some with degenerative joint conditions, and find a solution or something to break that cycle because it, it, it is a compounding kind of cycle and it's relevant. Mm. So uh, that the injectables have led me into so many avenues. Even being on the uh, dental panel for Experian, the insurers, that the role of that is to, you know, help my colleagues when they're having those issues and they're contacting their insurance provider, just to talk to another dentist, just someone who actually knows what it's like to walk the walk, and not just an insurance person who doesn't really know or appreciate what is going on. Mm. And because of doing the injectables, that's how I had that avenue open up for me to get on that board. And yeah, it, it has that would have to be my biggest breakthrough. Right. Yeah. Mm. So I mean, whilst we're on that, you know, so yeah, you're you're a consultant um, for um, a dental legal consultant advisor. Uh, and so, what kind of inspired you to become um, that? And has there been any? particular struggles in your journey yourself? Well, what inspired me was uh, I was probably just nominated and I thought, yes, I can do that. There was an element of me that was a bit scared thinking, oh, have I got enough knowledge? And then once I started, I realized that I did have the knowledge. And if I, if I found myself a little bit stuck, I could always ask some other colleagues what their opinion would be. Obviously, it's a confidential kind of uh, situation. It's very much one-on-one. -on -one. There's a lot of trust involved. So uh, being respectful of that is paramount. I've learned to be an absolute bolt. Uh, mm. The benefits have been... I can't tell you. I mean, there's something about helping others, helping your colleagues to find their way through, you know, a situation that's quite hard to navigate. It, it, it stresses them out. It's the kind of thing where you're going to bed at night and you can't sleep. So it then affects your relationships. It affects your functioning. And this is quite serious. And mm. if you can talk to someone and uh, someone who actually understands and recognizes things instantly, Someone who can also say, look, you are such an ethical person. I can see you're doing all you can. Here's, some, here's an avenue. Here's another avenue and coach you through it. It's incredibly rewarding. So mm. the struggles were very much self-confidence. And then I, I pushed through that knowing I could help others and then thinking, well, I'm doing it for them. And in the process, I'm, I, I guess I'm getting some the benefit of knowing I'm helping. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, hey, I think as clinicians, sometimes it's quite difficult to um, feel weak or show vulnerability. You know, sometimes it's, you know, these ordeals don't just resolve over a phone call or a chat. Sometimes no. they drag on and on longer than you would like. You know, how do we maybe as a caller navigate, navigate through that? The key thing is remembering it's about keeping that person if you're dealing with, say, a difficult patient and there's mm. there's been threats, there's that kind of situation, uh, you have to remember it is all about that person and what they are feeling. It's not about how you are feeling. If you can remember good communication where it's how can I help you or help the situation to get to that point, what do you need? What is it? You know what I mean? You're, you're honing in on that person's needs. And mm. if that person can tell that you trying to help them that you're trying to satisfy their needs they will naturally be in a let's call it a safer modality a safer headspace they're not in that fight flight 
you know, state, stress state where it's like push back, push back. Mm. They're accepting, they believe, they still trust you. It's about keeping that good rapport and then you can communicate. Don't get me wrong, Lawrence. There are some patients and people, staff members, whoever you're having challenges with that you, you have to get to a point where you know you're not going to get through to them mm. and you have to protect yourself. So notes, 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 notes. Everyone write heaps and heaps of notes all the time. It's never a, it is a bit mundane at times, but it is really, really good to know you've got that backup of all your notes. And because if you get into a bit of hot water with the legal system, at least you've got that to fall back on. And threads, email threads are great as well. Mm. So once you've got that person to a lovely headspace and they know that you are just trying to resolve the issue, that you are not trying to be hostile or defensive or diminish their needs, then you can start your negotiation process. Always protecting yourself. Talk to your insurer if you're worried or, you know, a panel member and or other senior dentists who've been through it it's Mm. really yeah get your your support team around you your cheerleaders and yeah keep your eye on the prize what you're trying to achieve here you might say i just don't want that person ever again so you find a way to uh what's the word i'm after it's um amiable to -hmm. find an amiable way to uh, move move them out of the practice and move forward yourself and let it go because it doesn't mean you have lost anything. You're not a lesser person. You're not a lesser practitioner. You've just had a big learning experience. So, but you've actually gone on and created a platform to help colleagues deal with these challenges outside of it as well. And it's called Smile Chicks. Tell us about that and what kind of struggles you had experienced. So Smile Chicks uh, was born through uh, friends out socializing. Let's create an Instagram page. And that's that's how that began. And then when I began some marketing campaigns, uh, when I joined the two practices together, one of the marketing fellows actually said to me, have you thought about making Smile Chicks into a brand? And I, I hadn't really. It was just my personal platform, a bit of fun. So we ended up making it a brand because I realized that was a great platform where I could actually reach out to my colleagues and say, Hey, I'm here. If you want to chat, we had some laughs over just general dental things. It wasn't as serious as DPR, mm-hmm. um, which is great, wonderful platform, but just not uh, what a lot of us sort of really wanted. And uh, I also then sort of made smile chicks like the umbrella for branching out. So I had a couple of dental practices. I was establishing a bit more of a beauty line, which was to do with the injectables mm-hmm. and also mentoring programs. So can't be just before 2020 was all set up to do some masterclasses and, you know, really start to help dentists negotiate their way business wise and CPD and also ignite that enthusiasm keep Mm. everybody going you know i'm very passionate about that so challenges personally would be to well i got caught up a little bit in fomo i certainly got a bit caught up with the the validation that instagram kind of innately gives you but isn't real Mm -hmm. that false validation so you know, it's it's a funny thing the the hormone system and how the the dopamine release kicks in, and we we can all get quite addicted at times. And if you can step back and go, ah, I can see what's going on here. I'm I'm clearly getting a bit addicted. I'm clearly trying to get some sort of false validation from that uh, Instagram or any platform like that. That's when you're in a really good position to grow and learn and make wiser choices so that was a bit of a challenge for me i worked it out i'm very happy to say now i'm i just use it for all the good i can think of i get a lot of good feedback from uh, people saying i needed to hear that particular thing you said today i don't lie there thinking what am i going to post what am i going to do i did at one point i won't lie it was a lot of pressure didn't need any more pressure. I was already a, a mom, a wife, a businesswoman. I was like, ah! And that's when I went, okay, I've got that feeling. It's not It's not safe. It's not going to be quality delivery. So I removed myself. And now I will post things that come through, which I feel are relevant at the time. They're words that 
I guess, just come to me. I apply them to myself. Mm-hmm. It's not something I, and if I see a really good post from someone else, I love sharing it on my story and just saying, hey, this is a great post. And I guess it gives the kudos to the person who put the post up in the first place. So if we can all keep celebrating each other rather than knocking each other down, I think mm-hmm. that's really important too. Yeah. I have to Talk- say, I've, yeah, carry on. I was going to say, you know, um, talking about knocks, you, you've mentioned that you've had some hard knocks and mistakes that you've made in uh, your industrious career at one point. You, you even mentioned naiveties and others' intentions was something that you've mentioned in the past. Could you tell yes. us more about that? Yes. Gosh, you have done your research. <laughs> uh, so I really feel that you can look for the good in people and I tend to be one of those people who does it. It's sometimes you need to just do a bit of a reality check and look at what those people are actually presenting you with. And you might really want to like someone and like their ideas and like their proposals and support them. But you, it's essential that you are realistic about things. And I've learned the hard way. I And I have no regrets on the level that I've supported someone and done the best I could but in the end if if you are losing money and your ROI is right down you're not getting what you have been promised or what you even expected it is there comes a point where you have to say that's enough you have to mm-hmm. draw the line it's your point of no return where you go okay done and not not beat yourself up about it that's something I used to do I used to beat myself up and go ah how could I have been so stupid but in the end, you learn so much. And it, again, it's that have to experience it to really hit home mm-hmm. what you should do. So my advice is just to, again, uh, due diligence. Yes, see someone, uh, their enthusiasm, admire it. Uh, just be realistic about what they are offering and don't get too involved in a startup where you might be a guinea pig and you might lose out and you could even go, I did have a time where I lost quite a lot of patience through an email marketing scheme that came through. Mm-hmm. And I, I fortunately I pulled the pin quite early, but I, I saw there was a lot of damage being done. So awareness, if you if it's your business, mm-hmm. yeah, keep aware, always just have that helicopter without being a helicopter mom. <laughs> Yeah. So you, I mean, so you're saying that kind of came about because, because um, you wouldn't have known because you would have been because you're in it. I mean, how would you have seen it from the outside? Was it because someone mentioned it to you from the outside, or? I looked at figures. I looked at numbers. Tracking, yeah. it's really important. And I also, and yes, there was some feedback and um, front desk people. Mm-hmm. Oh, if they can tell you, I mean, sometimes you don't want to hear it. It depends. If you allocate a time in the week where you say, this is my feedback time, give it to me, good or bad. You know what I mean? Constructive is, you don't say bad, constructive feedback. Um, it really works well because sometimes you just, you can't have that feedback. And patients were sort of saying, oh, these emails are a bit confronting as mm. an example. Um, and I saw I saw some loss, you know, I saw requests for records from other practices. Yes. And yeah, you have to click down. It's important that you contact those patients and just sort of say, look, happy to help you wherever we can. Just checking in on, um, can you give me some modest feedback you know why you're having to leave the practice and it, mm. yeah so that's what i did you have to you can't be scared of a rejection you have mm-hmm. to uh, em, again embrace it and say right now what can i do to be better there is time that's another thing it's it doesn't all have to be done and fixed tomorrow mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> just pace take your time and yeah, to keep in tune with your patients and your staff you don't have to micromanage just keep in tune with them yeah i guess because i guess most people don't like to be held by a leash right <laughs> exactly got to give everyone some autonomy so if you can allocate 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 a time <laughs> to have some good constructive feedback so everyone's in the right mindset it, it's i think that's really invaluable fair enough yeah i mean can you talk about a time when you were working was it between two states at one point? Yes. <laughs> that was a wonderful time in my life. Uh, I was introduced to Kia Pagehurst through another really good friend uh, who's also a serial entrepreneur. And Kia, he really inspired me. So he's the owner of Smile Solutions. And he 
was looking for an injectables person literally that day when he was doing a seminar in Brisbane. He just, he'd been talking about it with his practice general manager. And I was introduced to him, at, we clicked. He was such a, a motivating person and he just basically said, come down to Melbourne, I want you to see my practice, which you probably know, Smile Solutions is pretty phenomenal. Mm. The building and what they, what he has achieved was, you know, amazing. Uh, so what I did was I jumped on board with Smile Solutions as their cosmetics person, their facial injector. I went down every fortnight to begin with and I'd have one night overnight and I would work two full days. Mm. Met the most amazing people, practitioners and patients. Got to just do full-on injectables and actually start up a proper uh, regime for the injectables uh, call it a tier, the tier of small solutions. Mm -hmm. That was amazing. It was good. Just even, you know, taking a medical history specific to facial injectables and making it rebranding it to, to fit in with the ethos of small solutions, little things like that. All the staff came and saw me. So that was, that was great. They all got fully on board and, uh, we had a lot of fun as well. In the meantime, I was still trying to run a practice in Brisbane. And that became quite a challenge for me because I was getting very tired and it was also taking away a little bit of that quality time with family. My children, teenagers, uh, were very understanding and saying, okay, well, mum's away that night. But it was when I came back and I was super tired that it was a little bit of a struggle. Mm -hmm. Having said that, I learned a lot. I gained a lot. I ended up working at limits. So that's another thing I've always gone right if you work at your limits then bring that into everything with your functioning what's your limit for uh, working on you know your clinical work what's your limit for the number of days you can work and sustain the enthusiasm for dentistry and not take it out on your patients uh, what's the limit for your energy levels and I ended up doing every third week for a while in the second year just to space it out they were always very accommodating and uh Wow, the great Instagram photos I got. Oh, <laughs> this building was incredible. And uh, being in Melbourne, Melbourne, oh, I miss Melbourne. I can't wait for Melbourne to come back on board, on back on deck. Mm. And yeah, at the business, I did have to get to run. I actually had some family reasons. That's why I ended up finishing up there. And also, that was just before COVID hit. So uh, I guess the timing was, was good. For me on that level it, it would have been very difficult mm. but coming back to the business i had a great team who also appreciated that i was uh, i guess trying to do something that was at the forefront of dentistry and and set it up and inspire others and still bring in obviously you have to still look at the bottom line so i had to make sure i was covering my bottom line as the business owner and mm -hmm. uh, yeah so i hope that answers your question it, it wasn't a very exciting time but it was challenging it wasn't it wasn't all good it was certainly challenging too yeah i think it's an interesting aspect you know um not a lot of people do that and you know if people mm -hmm. are thinking about it like you've mentioned those are the key points to consider yes. um so who's who else has been pivotal in your career path and why well i would definitely say the dsd combination with christian coachman and Tony and Fadi Yasmin, uh, these guys, they've been pivotal. Oh, sorry, I'm just going to decline it. Yes, I'll be coming right back. I'll just decline this call. I thought I had my do not disturb on, but yes. <laughs> That's actually my best dentist friend ringing. She's probably ringing to have a, a gripe about something. Um, <laughs> You'll have to invite her on in the future. <laughs> I will, I will. She's hilarious. She keeps everybody laughing as well. Uh, and that's another thing is it's important to have your friends who you know you can have a bit of a whinge to. You never whinge downwards. You always whinge across ways or up. <laughs> I'm okay, not quite sure I follow. That means you don't whinge to your dental assistant. You don't <laughs> whinge to your staff. You whinge to other people who are on the same level as you or um, and friends who understand or you, you whinge up to your employer or someone who's uh, senior to you. And that is that is another thing I've learned over the years because people need to feel safe when you're in such a responsible role. As the practitioner, you're looking after the patients, you're looking after staff, you are 
running the show, people need to feel safe. So you got to have a whinge, make sure it goes to the right place. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. Okay. Um, so yeah, who has been pivotal in your career path? Pivotal. So yes, back yeah. to DSD. So the reason that was pivotal uh, was because it, it, as I said before, it taught me how patients see things with the photography and how you can really give them an insight to the end goal by using photography, by using the technology of smile design and collating that to fit in with the lips, all the soft tissue. And uh, sort of, I guess, we have to be salesmen at some point, don't we? But as long as it's it's an ethical sale where you know it's going to be for the benefit of that patient. So by being able to administer a a smile design and show Mm -hmm. people what is achievable, then explain to them, yes, they might need a gum lift, they might need orthodontics, but if they keep their eye on the prize, you'll hold their hand through the whole process and deliver this smile. Uh, it's such a rewarding journey. And so that has been pivotal for me. I've uh, obtained some great cases just from doing an Instagram post on my business Instagram page of the you know, the sliding scale, you would have seen that where you slide from your existing smile to what you can be, can be achieved through DSD. Mm. So that was pivotal for me. I, I've so enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, all my bosses though, Lawrence, have they've been fantastic. I have learned, I've also learned some things I don't want to employ as a business owner, but on the whole, each one has delivered some absolute gold to me. So it, it it's not on that big scale. It's very much in-house, at the clinic, one-on-one, over a coffee. Really mm. significant. You can obtain some amazing information from your from your colleagues. Don't forget about them. It's, and the competition, competition's healthy. Don't, don't think that uh, you, you've got to walk away from a little bit of a competitive thing going, okay, I'm going to make myself better. Not, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, even the best, you know, dental practice communicators or consultants or trainers have people um, that, you know, they go to to help them. Who's that been for you? Uh, There's been quite a few over 25 years, as you can imagine. Uh, Currently, I actually obtain a lot of gold from my associate, Dr. Nick Sheptua, whose practice I bought. And he has been in the industry a long time, very experience has tried lots of different things he's always tried to be at the forefront of dentistry and he's also been a a big go-to for queensland dentists uh to talk about full mouth reconstruction and things like that so i have to say nick amazing and he's he's very non-judgmental as well if you can find someone who's uh easy to talk to they deliver good information in a a very happy way not in a critical way hang on to them so he's been amazing. Um, just trying to think who else. Look, it, Matthew Voltz, who's an, a Max Fax in Brisbane, has been amazing for me. He probably wouldn't even know that. He probably won't even see this. But he, <laughs> even from when I was at uni and I remember doing a SUP for one one exam, one practical exam, and I learned more in that SUP than I did the whole semester of the, the course, the wow. subject. Uh, my first two bosses, the two women, Trish Rimmer and Leah Ovaskar in Cairns, taught me more in that first six months of being a new grad than I learnt the whole five years at university. So if you can find those people, yes, they will stay pivotal. I love mm. that's a great word. Pivotal in your mind for your CPD journey and creating who you have become today. Mm. You know, when a lot of graduates, uh, are, you know, they want to be social media influencers, but, you know, you're like the original social media influencer because you've presented <laughs> on radio, you've on ABC, you've been on TV, 7, 9, 10, you know. What would you say to all these colleagues? Oh, thanks, Lawrence. That sounds great. Um, <laughs> I would say, I would say just remember, it's about lifting the profession. It isn't just about you. It's about what you can offer others. And it's one of my favorite sayings is that all boats rise with the tide. So if we can share knowledge and help each other, then and and put other people up there, celebrate others' achievements. It, it really is important. So if you can celebrate another colleague, uh, one wonderful dentist you might have heard of, Dr. Sam Coe, 
He is amazing. And I've known Sam since, yeah, he was quite young and, and did some injectables. And he has just, uh, it's been amazing to watch him flourish and become a, a leader in the industry. So we're, and you yourself, you know, as I said before, I just really admire what you're doing to help educate, help inspire, help create this this strong cohort so we can all thrive and grow together for the for the profession. Another thing I would say is just to remember to be humble. Okay. Celebrate your wins by all means, but be humble because dentistry is an ever-changing profession and it is a privilege to be a dentist. Mustn't underestimate that. When you do your social media, have fun. When you're talking to people, when you're doing a post, just have fun and think about what your audience wants can get out of it. Not about your performance or what you're doing. Think about what they can get from what you're doing. And I think if you have those things in mind, have fun with it. Enjoy the enjoy the beauty because we are all artists. We do love the aesthetics. Enjoy the beauty of Instagram and any platform that you you know engage in. Then you will be fine. Well, Dr. Christina Kane, there's so many more questions I want to ask you, but that's all the time we have for today. Um, if you could let the people know how they can find you or what's kind of going on in your life. Sure. Well, thanks again, Lars, for having me. It has been wonderful just chatting with you. I would say the best way to reach out to me is on my Smile Chicks platform, Instagram. And if you want to send me a DM, that's great. I'm also on Facebook, of course. So Messenger, easy. I'm at Refresh Dental Spa, so that's in Brisbane. You can contact me that way as well. Currently, I am forging ahead with my CEREC and learning, and my next big move is two floors up in my building where I'm doing my first brand-new fit-out. Wow. And that's coming in the next four months. Very excited, looking forward to a brand-new modern facility and being able to offer that, that wonderful new modern aspect and enjoy the creation myself. But that's my that's my gig at the moment. <laughs> well, as you say, measure twice, cut once. Ah, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> if you like this episode, drop a comment below on your favorite part or leave a review. Don't forget to share it with your friends and we'll see you in the next episode of CP Junkie Podcast. <laughs>